Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. But first, a mum of six who's battled skin cancer is speaking out in a bid to try and persuade other people to make sun safety a top priority, particularly for people, whether they're at home or heading abroad, to take precautions and to cover up in the sun. Deirdre Banas is with us on the programme today. Deirdre, thank you for, for joining us on the show. Will you tell us a little bit, Deirdre, about your experience and how you first became aware of your skin cancer? Um, good day to you. How are you? Um, yeah, well, I first originally got diagnosed in 2018 with basal cell carcinoma, and um, in which I got um, it surgically removed at the side of my nose and above my forehead. So that's um, five years ago. And um, obviously I had a, a couple of marks, uh, like just a dot on my nose, and um, I was concerned about it and I had gone to the doctor and um, I had been given antibacterial cream and stuff like that. But obviously that didn't go away. So then I was sent down to the dermatologist and then the oncologist down in Waterford in which they removed it in 2018. So then obviously in the last two years, I noticed that my um, nose had got a lot redder and was a bit more, um, there was sort of a lot of dryness. And again, a spot had appeared above my lip and went to my own doctor back again. And um, we again put different cream on it to see what that cleared up. So obviously with the experience of what I'd gone through before, um, she had written a letter and sent me down to Waterford again mm. to the dermatologist. And it was then then in just gone in May 24, 2023, that I was diagnosed with basal cell carcinoma again. Like I'm sure even hearing hearing the diagnosis, you know, getting that diagnosis, Deirdre, a second time round. Like what did this mean now when when you got the um the second Diagnosis well, when I went down for the when I went down in May, I was actually going down for um, I had some, you know, um, friction on my back and more like um, my skin was a bit scaly on my back. So it was only when I went down and I had mentioned again about my face and stuff like that that the doctor actually down there straight away like had said, you know, you will need treatment for this and it is basal cell carcinoma. Um, so he had put me on this course of uh, treatment, which is Effudix. It's like topical chemotherapy. So this procedure Mm -hmm. is for four weeks and you do it at home. So it's where you apply a cream on both in the morning and the evening for four weeks. So um, it's not... Yeah, finding out that diagnosis again was horrendous. And um, I remember coming back with my son in the car and I couldn't believe it. It was actually... And it was only when I read into and looked into what I had to go through, the chemotherapy cream, it sort of just hit home how bad, you know, the couple next couple of weeks were going to be. And just, Deirdre, before I ask you a little bit about that, but just the in, in terms of, because I, I'm just thinking, you know, for people today in, in listening to you in terms of, you know, the kind of maybe... Um, marks or, or, or you know, tags or things that people might have or we have on our skin or on our face, like for, for people to look out for. Had it become... Like, were, were they obvious? I mean, to somebody that was chatting to you or talking to you or looking at you, I mean, could was was it easy to diagnose it in the sense that they were quite visible marks or how how did it appear? Well, at first it started off quite small, so it wouldn't have been visible. But what happened was it would start, um, you know, a, a crustiness or a, a scab would, you know, appear and that would come up then and it'd be up for about a week or 10 days. And that's when people would notice something. And, you know, friends of mine would have said, oh, my gosh, you know, what's that on your lip? Or, you know, and um, 
then after that, then what would happen is the scab would fall off and then it would often bleed. So that's how I knew that definitely it was more than just a cold sore. Tell me a little bit about the, um, the, the treatment. So in the second instance, you didn't have surgery. Is that right? There was no removal? No, no I didn't have surgery in the second instance. Yeah. Um, I, the doctor recommended this cream, which is called Effudix, which I never heard of before no. now. But, um, and I don't know, if it's not relatively new, but it's out a good couple of years. So um, it's called Topical Chemotherapy Cream. So it's not you chemotherapy know, so treatment like we'd, we, we'd, you know, many people would know of in, 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 in I suppose, the, the more common way in that you'd receive chemotherapy treatment. This is, it's a different type of treatment. Yes, yes. So it's, it's in a cream base and the way it works is you have to apply it onto the affected areas both in the morning and the evening, twice a day. So obviously I had to apply it to my face um, I had some some small amounts on my chest and on my back. So obviously I would have to get a family member every day, every morning and every evening for four weeks to apply that on my back. So it's a four-week process. So each week it got worse and it would get more severe as you went along the journey to put the, the chemotherapy cream on. As in the pain got more severe, Deirdre? Yeah, so like the first week, you know, um, it would just be a mild redness and it would just maybe sting for a second as you apply the cream on. By the second week then it would obviously get, you know, a lot more red and you would feel it stinging you more. But by the third week it got to the stage where it was like as if your face was raw and it was a burning sensation and um, your skin became crusty and hard. So it was, it was like as if you just had your face in a boiling water um, by the third week and then by the fourth week then because the whole idea of the Epidix cream is that, you know, it brings the abnormal cells out. So all the crustiness will come to the forefront of my face and um, it would just be like sandpaper. So you'd still have to apply the cream on and the skin would be broken and very raw. And um, the only way I can describe it is like, I suppose, if you've got a really bad burn. So the cream was actually burning as you were putting it on by the fourth week. Must have been extremely And the pain sore, was unbearable by the fourth week. Yeah. It must have been extreme, extremely and the, painful. And then, you know, whatever about maybe being in a hospital or a medical professional doing that, but when, when you have to apply that to yourself at home, like it's, I'm sure it was very hard. Yeah, because I'd nearly have to build myself up, especially in the evening time, I'd have to build myself up to be putting it back on again in the evening. And even my family members that were putting it on my back, you know, they used to feel the pain for me, you know, got to the stage where they were like, gosh, this is awful having to do this tea. I'm known that like their mom was in so much pain. And uh, while you were, you know, undergoing the, um, the, the, the self-applied, I suppose, the chemo treatment that you mentioned, Deirdre, like at that stage, in terms of how, you know, visible it was for you and on your skin and on your face, was it, was it quite noticeable? Was it very, very sore even to look at? Oh, it was horrendous. And as the weeks went on, like the first week, as I said, you'd have mild redness. And then the second week would be, you know, it wouldn't be, it would be getting a bit more red. And by the third and fourth, yes, my face was, at some stages, it was nearly unrecognisable because it was all those abnormal cells were coming forward and it was becoming extremely crusty and extremely raw. Um, my own grandchildren found it extremely hard to even look at me. And, um, you know, I was attending my doctor as well 
So um, I had to make sure that because my skin was broken, um, to make sure that, you know, there wasn't any infection there and stuff like that. Very difficult, Deirdre. How, how are you doing now, Deirdre? I'm doing great now yeah. and um, I'm on the recovery, I'm on the healing process. So after the four weeks of FUDIX, then you go on around six to eight weeks of healing process. So I'm into my fourth week. My skin is, is great now. I have very little redness and um, I'm doing great and I've got lots of support. And, um, you know, and that was another thing why, like, even though my face extremely looked horrendous, um, you know, I've done a lot of videos and stuff like that um, of my face and of the different stages because I was really wanting to show there and show people how bad my face could get, you know, and send out skin cancer awareness. Like that's, I suppose, a, a big part, Deirdre, really, isn't it, of why you wanted to to share your story with people, like not to to, to scare them, but I suppose just to persuade people um, and to encourage people to be just more sun safety aware, if you want to call it that. Yeah, like I thought about that when I when I started doing the videos at the start, and my face was okay, and then you know. As it got worse, then I was sort of thought, gosh, will I put these videos up? But I have got such a response of people that watched the videos that, you know, that I had sent out that message and they didn't realise how much, you know, sun damage can be done from not protecting your skin with sunscreen and, you know, wearing the hats. And I was really passionate and I still am passionate about getting that message across of huge awareness for uh, sunscreen, mm. wearing it and wearing your hat and protecting your skin against sun damage and sun skin cancer. Um, Deirdre, stay with us if you don't mind because I've got Rachel on the line as well. Rachel Morrow is um, the Director of Advocacy with the, the Irish Cancer Society. Rachel, I know that's a point that, that you and the ICS wanted to flag. Um, I suppose the cost barriers, you know, that, that there's, there is around sun cream and the use of sun cream and, and looking for the government now to basically make it more affordable and particularly when you hear Deirdre's message today. That's right, Andrea. And thanks, Deirdre, for sharing the message Um, I suppose what we're hearing from people is that sun cream is very expensive and particularly for people who have a family and they're trying to keep their whole family protected from the sun. Um, It does get very expensive and we encourage people um, to use around 35 mils of sun cream to cover their entire body. That's around the size of a golf ball. Um, And so if you're buying a 200 milliliter bottle of sun cream, that can cost around 35 euros a week Mm. um, to make sure that that just one individual is, is covered. And you have to reapply this regularly. So we've made a call to government to cut the VAT rate um, from 23% to 0% um, in in the next budget. And we think that, you know, the the cost shouldn't be a barrier to cancer prevention. We don't want um, cancer prevention to be the privilege of those who can afford it. Um, And of course, sun cream is just one way of protecting your skin. And like Deirdre mentioned, you should cover up with clothes and hats and and sunglasses as well. Um, But it's one of those things that we all kind of grab, put in our bags and um, apply as as much as we can. Um, But it's really important that it's affordable for people. Uh, Deirdre, you you mentioned that too. Like it's it's the cost factor. I mean, and and it is, and particularly where families have maybe three and four, and I, like I know you've you mentioned you've, you've six children. That like it, it it can be very expensive for families if you're reapplying and applying sun cream daily. Oh yeah, my definitely like um, raising six children as a lone parent. I definitely would have um, not so much used it sparingly on the children, but I definitely would have used it sparingly on myself to try and get as much value out of that bottle of sunscreen. 
And, um, you know, definitely that would be a huge part of why now I am suffering with uh, sun damage and I have skin cancer, you know, because I wouldn't have applied it as much as what I should have done. And I definitely wouldn't have been aware of, you know, the, the value of being able to um, afford, you know, certain types of sunscreen. And it's not about like, um, you know, the most expensive ones are the best or anything like that. It's just across the board that, you know, you have to go to like for six children, um, you know, in a week. That's a lot of sunscreen to be putting on kids in a week. I suppose the other side of this, Rachel, as well, is, look, I mean, if we're being honest about it, you know, yes, we might put on sun cream day to day or for certain months of the year, but we probably all aren't applying it every single day all over. That's right. We've carried out research on this and one in seven people would never apply sun cream when in Ireland. Now, I know the weather isn't great at the moment, but people are thinking about their summer holidays as well. Some of us have been away, some are going away. And our message still is to please use sun cream um, as, as it's recommended. So reapplying every two hours, um, making sure that children have factor 50 on them at all times, adults um, factor 30 plus. Um, and we need to make sure that it just becomes a, a habit for people. Um, seven in ten people think that sun cream is too expensive, like like mm. Deirdre was saying. Um, and we, 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 like I said, we really want to ensure that it's affordable for people. While the government is trying to reduce the numbers um, of cancers diagnosed in Ireland, we really want them to be making an effort on, on the cost side as well, not just you know telling people to wear sun cream. Let's make it easy for people. Let's make it affordable for people, um, so that it you know everybody can have access to it. What is the VAT rate, sorry, Rachel, at the moment on sun cream? It's 23%. So um, there is, it, it would require a change to the EU VAT directive um, because that is set at a European level. Um, and we want it dropped right down to zero. Um, at the moment, it's not classified as a pharmaceutical product. Um, mm. It's actually a cosmetic product, um, which of course it's not. We consider it to be absolutely essential. And people should be wearing sun cream between the months of April and September um, in Ireland. April to September, we should all be wearing it daily. Yeah, and I know every... that's right. But I'm looking out the window at the moment and I was looking at the Met Erin website before I was speaking to you um, and just to check the UV index. And I saw the country covered in yellow and I thought that meant a moderate UV index mm. rating. But I thought it was a yellow weather warning for rain. So I know that what we're saying and what we're talking about today, um, people might be shaking their heads. Um, but it's that's the recommended um, advice is that between... April um, and September that we do wear sun cream and there's lots of gaps in the clouds as well over the, over the summer periods even when the weather isn't great and um, particularly for outdoor workers we're encouraging people to wear sun cream all yeah. the time. I'm sure Deirdre that's a call that you, you'd support as well for the, the VAT rate to be scrapped on sun cream. Oh definitely massively yeah. and I would be definitely um, campaigning that as well myself and you know showing my story that like you know definitely we need to reduce the sunscreen the price of it and stuff like that. Uh, There's a text in from Karen and Kimmage who says um, one of the Scandinavian countries is ahead of their game. They've turned all hand sanitizers in public buildings and shops into free sunscreen dispensers. You have to make people use it and they will if it's, uh, if it's free. Saves money in the long run and more importantly, saves lives as well. Like That's a pretty incredible um, initiative, Rachel. 
That's right. And actually, the Irish Cancer Society has provided free sun cream um, to the community cancer support centres across the country and also at our roadshow events where we um, give people free advice from our nurses in shopping centres around the country. So it's just like described there. It's like a hand sanitizer, um, and people can access free sun cream like that. And we'd love that if that was rolled out across the country um, by the government. That would just make sense. Um, Jennifer Rock, the skin nerd, is is with us here too on Lunchtime Live today. Like Jennifer, we heard Rachel talk about the stats and the figures, you know, of how many people typically um, are wearing sun cream on a daily basis. But is there much difference between the own brand products and the more expensive brands that we'd be familiar with? Firstly, could I just say that how Rachel and Deirdre spoke and it, this, this conversation that you're facilitating, Andrea, really is so important because our numbers through our own nerd network would would echo what Rachel is saying, that people don't understand the premise of SPF. They only think it's when they're on their summer holidays or abroad. So very much in line with what the Irish Cancer Society say, we're always trying to stipulate that it's your April to September and reapplication and often how much you apply is what's misunderstood. We were recently at an event ourselves and it was a beautifully glorious UVB. We're, we're shining down beautiful rays on our skin and so many people just replied by saying when we were giving it out for free that they, they didn't want to apply it. They wanted to get their tan. They wanted their dose of vitamin D and it was just trying to educate people. It's so difficult. But to answer your question, to, at the end of the day, I suppose because we manufacture our own SVF and it's our own intellectual property through skin ingredients, it's treated, as, as Rachel said there, SVF isn't really seen. It's seen as a cosmetic, but when you're manufacturing it, there's an awful, it's, it's quite a tedious process, to be honest, to go through, and rightfully so, because you're trying to, A, help the aesthetic side, which is a large part of skincare, but more importantly, and as you discussed today, it's about the prevention of skin cancer. So, when a product is labelled with an SPF number and then it's UV filter rating of the UVA, it's across the board. It's a standardised approach. It's not like a hydrating serum. Some are better than others. At the end of the day, an SPF has to go through rigorous testing. So whatever that SPF says it is, it is. It's, it's a non-negotiable. It's, it's not seen as aesthetic in that sense. So to answer your question, they are, they're, they're fairly generic. A product has to pass testing so a 15 is a 15 a 30 is a 30 a 50 is a 50 mm. where you end up spending more money is that some some products or some brands are now researching into ensuring that there's higher uva protection so your a protection is the light that we have all year round and it penetrates into the lower layers of the skin so from an aesthetic perspective particularly it's what can contribute towards pigmentation sun damage that reddening or ruddiness or, or weathered skin if you will um, and also infrared and there's a lot of new stats and data coming out that's emerging on high energy, visible light, your blue light. So it's an evolving sector that thankfully a lot of time is going into it. But I couldn't, as a person who recommends and retails and manufactures SVF, the VAT rate is definitely something that I couldn't but celebrate if it was to change. We try our best on the skin nerd to make it as affordable as possible because we really want people to reapply. And I think Deirdre said there herself, and she, she isn't on her own, there's so many of us that are sparingly applying our skincare products because we don't maybe truly understand the, the benefit of an SPF. Mm-hmm. We're treating it like a cleanser or an eye cream, which you try to stretch out. But with SPF, you really have to be applying. Like I always say to people, look at your hands, look at your forefinger and look at your middle finger. That, like that length of product is what you're supposed to be applying for your collarbone up every single day and reapplying if you're in direct light. So it, it's, it's unaffordable. It's not accessible for everybody. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, the point as well, Jennifer, like I know... You you know, a lot of us would maybe see in the likes of our some of our moisturisers or even foundation, they'll talk about having SPF contained, you know, in the product. But can you rely solely on that? In my opinion, genuinely no. And more so because 
it's not if, if, if you talk about foundations or a moisturizer for example if I'm putting a foundation on I'm putting on the coverage that I like do I like light coverage medium coverage full coverage whereas actually if the bottle says that it's a 50 for example in it you're supposed to be applying as I said that two finger length amount to get the true benefit and value of that number and most people aren't applying that much foundation or even that much moisturizer so people feel they're, they're wasting their product by putting that much on but actually that's how much you need so because it's not people aren't applying it when they're applying it through their foundation or through their moisturizer they're not consciously saying to themselves this is my SPF protection where when you put your sun cream on let's say you're really saying to yourself I'm applying this to protect myself to treat the skin as the organ that it is mm. and so you tend to be a bit more liberal with it so for that reason I don't tend to encourage people to lean on it I say look if you're doing it it's step one but why don't we try to upgrade you and get you an SPF that suits your skin but ultimately one that's getting you as best as fullest coverage as you possibly can and how you apply it is key so making sure that you apply it evenly and distributed I mean, Rachel will say this better than I, but the stats of uh, cancer, when you, read, when, when you read on the website, and again, I would always try to follow what the Irish Cancer Society talk about, but your eyes, your lips, your ears, there are certain areas that people tend to forget to apply SPF. They don't put across their eyelids, for example. So even from an aesthetic perspective, we see that come through through freckles and pigmentation on areas that people just aren't applying it consciously. They're kind of tossing it on and away they go yeah. out the door, but it really is key how you apply it. Deirdre, just a couple of messages coming in, you know, from from people just wishing you well and and thanking you for for sharing your story, you know, with uh, with us today. But yeah. like, I, I'm I've no doubt it's 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 been very difficult and tough for you. Um, but you're you know you're you're the prognosis is good and you're 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 um you're doing well anyway. Yeah, like um, as I said, I'm in the healing process now at the moment, and I have another four weeks to go. And then what happens then is I go back to the Waterford Hospital against dermatologist and I get a screening then and hopefully then um, it'll be all, you know, they, we'll get results then that'll be all clear. But in saying that, I still will and I will always be going out with my um, sunscreen on. Yeah. Um, as both Jennifer and Rachel said there, you know, from April to September, well, I'll be doing it all year round and wearing the hat as well to protect my skin now after going through all this. Well, Deirdre, listen, best of luck and, and best wishes and uh, thank you for, for joining us in the programme and sharing your story with us. Deirdre Benass there from Wexford, uh, Rachel Morrow from the Irish Cancer Society and thanks as well to uh, the skin nerd Jennifer Rock for joining us on the show. Listeners, says Crumlin Hospital recommend the Aldi. Is it the five-star sun cream? Excellent and affordable, says this texter. Connell and Tallis says, I went on a school exchange to Australia. They've sun cream dispensers in all schools all over the building. Another listener, we lived in Germany over 20 years ago. They had kids' hats with material covering the neck, which was great. We're so slow with everything in this country. Another listener, having gone through what that lady, what Deirdre went through, I was recommended to never go out without Factor 50. La Roche-Posay was the recommended sunscreen to use. Price in Ireland is north of €22. When I travel across Europe, I purchase it at half the price. Regularly stocking up, bringing stocks home for family and friends as well, says this listener. Keep them coming into us lunchtime live at uh, newstalk.com. My thanks to Deirdre, Rachel and Jennifer for joining us on the programme today. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.